0: Um,
1: his father's place,
0: And that is um, to some extent what we're going to be uh, looking at and concentrating on. But uh, just a couple of announcements. Um, Many congratulations to Raj, who um, has been awarded an MBE in the King's Birthday Honours List. Um, For his work, not his guitar playing, but his guitar playing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but congratulations, Raj. It's uh, amazing. Um, uh, it's Father's Day today, um, and if you find that tricky, um, please just um, stick with us, um, because I I think that God wants to speak to us a little bit um, about what it is to uh, receive this spirit of adoption um, and to be loved um, by the very best of fathers. So uh, whatever your experience is, please just... Um, but just, just stick with us some of us uh, some of us have got good fathers um, I, my dad I, I'm often rude about him when I'm preaching and when I'm leading um, but he's such a good father now um, but we, he's, he's just kind of grown into the job um, he's really really good at it now uh, we struggled a bit earlier on um, but isn't that the way God deals with us Um, And it's just so um, exciting. But obviously not everyone's had that experience. Some people have had difficulty, some people have had loss. So we're just going to um, start our worship with with our call to worship, which is um, from Psalms. And I apologise in advance, I'm I'm wrecked already, Um, you know me. I cry a lot and sniff my way through these things, so apologies. I' call to worship from psalm sixty eight. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. As smoke is blown away by the wind, you may blow them away as wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing praise to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners of singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. So that's that's God's promise to us uh, about what he's going to do with us. Um, and also we are going to be those people who extol him. So we're going to sing, um, we've got a couple of worship sets, so we're going to sing uh, three songs. We'll just run on from one to the next. Do stand up if you wish, but if you get fed up and want to sit down, absolutely fine. Um, uh, And uh, yeah, let's just worship God. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. We bless your name, Lord. We worship you. We love to be in your presence. We love to be where you are. Lord God, we gather here this morning as a people who are lovers of you members of your household, what a tremendous privilege and blessing it is that we can be where you are, great and glorious God. Amen. No, they're not here. Right. <laughs> Lord God, we pray your blessing on our children. We pray that that knowledge of you as a father would be in every part of this congregation that they would know the security and the blessing of being part of your household, part of this amazing community, and that you have blessed them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, So I've got a little reading from, um, excuse me, a little reading from Romans. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. This is the end of the last bit, really. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies that with our spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Or um, the version I've got here. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Well, that's the next bit, isn't it? If we indeed share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So this is the, uh, this is the bit, the, the text really, where this idea um, is fairly strongly put about this spirit of adoption. Uh, I was at the deacon's meeting on Monday, um, and Dave Wickersham said something. He said... God is not looking for employees to staff his kingdom. He's looking for sons in royal robes. And um, the whole of this service is really about getting hold of that. (laughs) Um, The idea of being a son, and uh, I, I will tend to say son, but I do mean sons and daughters, but I also mean sons and daughters with inheritance. So there's not, there's not a kind of differentiation here because um, the kind of scriptural approach to sons is they're the ones who got the inheritance. Um, and the great news is the daughters also get the inheritance. So there is no, um, there's no kind of a partiality in that. Derek Prince said this, If Jesus is the way, the Father is the destination. And it was like, oh... And as I was starting to think about this, uh, this service this morning, that kind of put it all together for me. Oh, hang on, this is it. This, this amazing access to the Father through Jesus, through Jesus the way. You know, it's not a, a kind of cop-out. It's not like, oh, it's all going to be okay. It's not a universalism. It is, we can be where the Father is through Jesus. If we're in Christ. If we're in Christ, we've dealt with all the sin stuff. We've moved on from that. We're now in the acceptance into the family, and it's so important that um, there's a parable about it, just to get the idea. You know, we, and that that parable. And I saw it as, as Dave spoke. Uh, you know, I realized that you know the prodigal son said, "Oh, the servants do better than I am here." And then the then the father welcomed him back. What is God saying? He's saying you're not a servant you're not staff, you're one of the family, you're so welcome. So my kind of heart for today was that we actually do business as a church, we actually deal with some of our stuff, Um, and if anyone says they haven't got any issues and their dad was the loveliest bloke in the world, I'm I'm sure that's true, Um, but there will be rejection in your life. There will be broken relationships. Everyone kind of does. Everyone has rejection, be it at work or wherever. And the reason for that is the nature of the world we're in. We are people who rejected God, but we're people who God made a way for us to be acceptable. So we really need to kind of get this in our heads. Jesus has made a way for us to be right with the Father, but not in a holy insurance way you're not just a oh am i going to be in right in heaven sort of way but he wants us to be in relationship with the father right now right here and what i've done and what we we'll do later on is um i've um i've got what uh, i've completely stolen off Derek prince um is a, a proclamation um about about god as the father where we're going to declare a whole bunch of the good scriptures Uh, together but this isn't just a kind of read the words on the screen job it's my hope that this will change things so when we speak those words just allow God's spirit to get to those areas we all have rejection we all have hurt we all have broken relationships and as we say those scriptures in a while just let the spirit get to them because the only reason he can't get to them is because we don't let him. Those things we hold on to. And that's my... As soon as as soon as soon I was asked to do this service on Father's Day, it was like, that's what it is. That is what it is. That is uh, what God wants to do with us, I think. Um, and hopefully you'll agree. <laughs> so we're going to praise some more and worship some more. And then... Um, after that we're going to do this proclamation thing, it'll be on the screen, um, and then there'll just be a time of open prayer, if anyone wants to pray for anything particularly, um, I'll pray a bit, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. But that's our, that's our way forward, so um, let's sing, we've got another, just another set of songs, uh, let's worship God, let's just meet with him, um, and just relate to um, our amazing Father. Sit down, but don't switch off. (laughs) i going to have the proclamation on the screen. So, um, yeah, this is written by Derek Prince, but it is just, it's just scripture. It's just a whole bunch of the different scriptures where God uh, talks about uh, our relationship, the relationship with him and us. So we're just going to say this together, um, but it's not like you don't mean what you say normally, but this is... um, do you know this isn't just one of those religious, you say the things that are written on the screen moments? Um, it was, yeah, it's just my kind of conviction that um, that God wants to deal with us in some of these areas. So we're going to we're going to say these words. Um, I'm going to pray. Um, if anyone else wants to pray, um, sorry, Louise, uh, wave, and um, Louise will find your mic if she can find it. Okay, so we're just going to go through this fairly deliberately and then um, say amen at the end. You, Lord, are my father. You are Form me. In love, you have predestined me to be adopted as your child. Lord, you have said, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my child. You know what I need, even before I ask you. As a father has compassion on his children, so you have compassion on me. I am not afraid, for it has pleased my father to give me the kingdom, and no one can snatch me out of my father's hand. I did not receive a spirit that makes me a slave against a fear, but I have received the spirit of sonship, and by him I cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the place that you have made for us, the place you have invited us to. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing sacrifice, for your amazing work on the cross, that allows us to come into relationship with Father God. Lord, I pray this morning that we would know that we know that we know that we are adopted by you. We would know the power of living as your sons, as your daughters, as your children as members of your household. Holy Spirit, that we would listen to you and that we would live like this. Amen. And Lord, now for those people who've had hurt and brokenness and disappointment and pain, in their relationship with fathers, or within any of their relationship. Holy Spirit, that you would come like oil into those situations, that you would release, that you would heal, and that you would draw us further into you. In the name of Jesus.
2: Amen. Amen. I thank you that you've always been there for me. That you've always gone ahead of me you've always led me whenever i stumbled you've always picked me off up and i thank you dad that you're not a father off but you're right there you're only a prayer away i thank you lord that though i've seen the earth tremble the fire leap and the waves roll i've always known your hand is there i praise you father I praise you, Dad. But what, though we may see mountains ahead of us, you will help us overcome. You will lead us up the mountain. And if we look at giants, we know that there's grasshoppers in your sight, Lord, because you are our Dad, and you're leading us by the hand. And I thank you, Dad, that you always lead us. You never forsake us, but you always walk with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I pray
0: every night for all my family at my house, every single
3: one, Bill, Richard and Virginia.
2: Amen. And my carers. I can't thank West Hope Lodge enough.
3: Thank you, Lord, for your gift of forgiveness. There's been situations where I know I couldn't have done the forgiving. And for some time, they'd eaten at me. And only through prayer and passage of time, Lord has shown me how to forgive those people and to move on with life and to be in a much better situation than I ever could have been without the Lord's help to take those situations and move forward. Thank you Lord.
1: Amen.
0: Ben is going to bring our reading and then um, Julie is preaching. I forgot to pre-announce you Julie so <laughs> they know they know what they're getting now.
4: <laughs> Thank you Ben. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 7 to 12. You are judging by appearances If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realise that what we are in our letters, when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When, we, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise.
3: Good morning everyone, everyone here and to those who are online. We're continuing our series in uh, 2 Corinthians, so it's not specifically about Father's Day, although it really does touch on some of the things that uh, John has brought in. So Paul has been opposed, is being opposed, and he's in defence of his ministry. And this opposition, and Tim looked at it last week, it seems to be coming from a group of people. There's an ongoing debate as to actually who they were. But later on in chapter 11, Paul refers to them as false apostles and servants of Satan. And today's title that I've been given is unimpressive. These people were talking about Paul and calling him Unimpressive. He said about the situation, verse 10 For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressing and his speaking amounts to nothing. We're shocked. The great apostle Paul, how could they say that? How could they say that he was unimpressive? From what we know, of his ministry in the book of Acts and the powerful great letters that he wrote. We know about his teaching, the churches that he planted and the miracles that he did. Unimpressive, Paul. But that's what some of his opposers were saying to him. It seems really harsh. But Paul had put his finger on what their problem was and uh, in my version it says, verse 7, you're judging by appearances. In the NIV it says you're looking only on the surface of things. He said they didn't really know Paul, only from the outside. I mean, it wasn't wrong to kind of test his apostolic credentials, but this was the wrong test. They only knew from the outside of what they saw. Well, Maybe, outwardly, he wasn't um, the kind of male model type. Maybe he wasn't the most attractive person. There's a description of Paul from an early Christian writing, the Acts of Paul, in, in the second century. And it seemed to indicate that. And I read, A man of small stature, with a bald head and crooked legs, in a good state of body, with eyebrows meeting and nose somewhat hooked. So if this description of Paul is even remotely correct, then perhaps he wasn't the most physically, uh, a physical head turner. And Calvin said, since Paul excelled in none of these endowments which ordinarily win praise or reputation among the children of this world, he was despised. As one of the common herd. You're judging by appearances, Paul said to them. And in this version, you're only looking on the surface of things, judging by appearances. And we might ask ourselves some questions this morning. Do we do that? Do we look at people just from their outward appearances? How quickly are we to judge without really knowing someone? I was um, on jury service this week and um, spending hours and hours and hours going through and listening to evidence. It wasn't what it seemed to be. So this was, uh, yeah, we couldn't just judge the person on some of the things we knew. We had to look really into the evidence And I know that I'm guilty of judging people by their appearance. Once we were at Life, you might remember this, David, um, and I invited someone, actually someone from this church, they're not here anymore, but someone from this church, a good, upstanding, solid Christian, to come into the service and dress up all shabbily and scruffily and to come into our service, and um, I just wanted to see how people reacted to them. It was very interesting. One or two people went and sat with them. Some steered away. I think he made himself smell a bit. I'm not sure about that. Do you remember that? Yeah. (laughs) But it was a good test. (laughs) So how do we judge people? Just from what the outside? And what about us? Does our outward appearance match what, who we are actually inside and what we're thinking inside? If we were sliced through like a stick of rock, would we be the same all the way through? There are questions we need to ask ourselves, and I asked myself, are we, do we put on a mask? Do we go through the Christian motions? Do we come to church and look like good Christians doing our bit, but actually inside we're feeling a bit lost and hollow or angry or carrying maybe even some dark secret, but outside we're just wanting on to, to put that uh, good appearance on. I know I've been through times like that, not carrying dark secrets particularly, but, but yeah... Just smiling and I'm okay thank you I'm fine thank you very much when really I wasn't fine at all I've been there and then how concerned are we about what we look like from the outside to the detriment of what's going on in here you know some of the most beautiful people that I've known and one in particular and I think I've mentioned her here before Sister Gabriel, (laughs) who, she was a nun, so she couldn't wear lovely clothes, um, and she didn't wear makeup, uh, and so all you saw was her face. But she was the most beautiful person to me. She just exuded God. She was one who praised God the whole time, if anyone knew her, the whole time, didn't matter what was happening, whether it was raining or thundering or whatever, she was praising God the whole time, and she was beautiful. In the past, I've been overly concerned about what I've looked like. Um, I can remember those times. Um, And when I was thinking about this this morning, an image came straight into my mind, something I'd completely forgotten, and I thought, wow, where did that come from? We have a slide. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These aren't the actual ones, but they were very similar to those. Yellow platform shoes. Now, why was God reminding me of this? Why did this come into my mind, I thought? What season was I in when I was wearing these? And I remembered it was a time when I was trying to run away from God, and I ran away to London. My heart had been touched by God, those of you who know my testimony, when I was doing A-levels in Hayward's Heath. But a complete heart change for me was too hard. I was too young for that. I'd think about it uh, when I got older. But for now, at that time, I was more concerned about what I looked like on the outside than what was going on in my heart. God brought this back to my mind to kind of remind me of that season. I got these, actually, from Harrods in the sale. And I teetered about on them, thinking I looked so cool and so great, but actually they were really dangerous to wear. And in the end, I didn't wear them much because they were so impractical. But for me, it kind of summed up that I wanted it to be cool. I think I had yellow nails to match and different colours in my hair. I think okay, your hair's beautiful. I'm, not, I'm talking about coloured hair. It was wonderful. But for me at the time, to match these, um, the, these yellow shoes... Now I'm not saying we should go about deliberately scruffy, and we shouldn't try and look nice, because intentionally looking scruffy and dirty probably doesn't attract people to Jesus uh, in the first instance. But what I am saying and what God, God reminded me of at that time, and even now, it's matter of the, of the heart. It's matters of the heart and who we are in God, and how secure we are in him, and whether we belong to him, and whether we're fulfilling the purposes that he has for us, which are the really important things in life, the matters of the heart. I'm doing a course at the moment, call it in spiritual direction, it's for 18 months, but... Um, I'm not doing it because necessarily I'm going to be a spiritual director, but I'm doing it because even after 50 years after all this, I'm still wanting to be enriched by God. I'm still wanting my heart to know him better. I'm still wanting to better consecrate my life to him. Um, And that's why I'm doing this, this particular course. I want to learn more of him. I want to dig deeper. I want to go more. I feel still. I'm only at the edge of the ocean. And there's a whole ocean of God that I want to know and discover. And I, there are parts of me that I don't like. And I want, I want God to change. And I want to open myself up to him. Of course, we may look fine from the outside. And others may not know. What's going on inside, even this morning? But God knows what's going on inside. And he looks deep into our hearts this morning. He's looking into your heart and he's looking at mine. I'm reminded of David, the shepherd boy, the youngest, who was chosen to be king, if you remember the story, in 1 Samuel, um, rather than his brother's. Saul had messed up, God had rejected him as king, and he tells Samuel the prophet to go to Jesse of Bethlehem because, once Samuel 16:1, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Well, when Samuel saw Jesse's son Eliab, he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And all the sons passed before Samuel, but none of them were the ones that God had chosen. Is this all Samuel said? Um, Well, it's still the youngest, he was told, but he's tending the sheep. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, the most unexpected and unlikely one. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. What mattered to God was the one that God had chosen and had a purpose for, not the one who others thought was the most likely. So, God doesn't look at the outside. We do. We might try to put on these good appearances, but God knows who we are, knows what purposes he has for us, wants us to be secure in him. Well, these opposers almost kind of saw two Pauls, the Paul of his letters, which were straight down the line and serious in their content, because Paul was serious about what he was saying. He needed Uh, to challenge the Corinthians. They were doing things wrong. He was not afraid to speak the truth. He wasn't just mollycoddling everyone. He was serious. But Paul... uh, And and these, these, these opposers were just seeing him and the unimpressive way that he seemed to deliver his message. And the pull of his letters and the actual man himself and the way he delivered this message seemed to be a mismatch. But Paul assures them that there was no discrepancy between what he says in his letters and what he was going to be saying in person. Verse 11, we read, such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we're absent, we will be in our actions when we're present. Paul wasn't uh, two-faced, he wasn't double-minded, he was who he was and he wasn't being strict and forceful to be destructive. His Apostolic authority was for building them up rather than pulling them down. He wasn't apologizing for what he was saying in his letters to the Corinthians. He wrote out of love for them. He said, We read, I don't want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. He loved them. In uh, chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, It says, I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. He loved them. That's why he was challenging them. That's why he wanted them to grow. That's why he wanted them uh, to to, to be better. He wasn't afraid to say that. And those who opposed him were only focused on the outside, on the style and the presentation of the man and the message, and not the message itself. One opinion is that Paul's adversaries used a professional type of oratory designed to extract money from their audiences. And Paul's manner was different. It was plain. It was straightforward. It was free. So maybe his opposers thought that made it worthless. He wasn't what they expected. He wasn't the same as them. Some were judging Paul by comparing him to other speakers like them, verse 12. Maybe he wasn't the best speaker. Maybe he wasn't. We don't know. We have no idea. Uh, Maybe he did go on and on. Remember Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, he came to mind in Troas, and Paul, he was seated in the window when Paul was speaking. And we read in um, Acts chapter 20, he was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. He fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Yes. Be careful in the balcony out there. <laughs> <laughs> But Paul sorted it out. He went down, put his arms around him, and then he, he uh, was raised to life. Paul, his message, whatever he looked like on the outside, and whether he was the best speaker in the world or not, his, he was determined to proclaim the message of Jesus crucified. And, and all those transformed lives of those Corinthian believers were a testimony to the divine powers with which he spoke. There was testimony, there was fruit, didn't matter if it was a little man with bald head and a crooked nose. It didn't matter. God had chosen him. And, and, and he said in 1 Corinthians 2.4, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, When I read this, I was reminded of an email on an email, something called the Elijah List. Um, and it was a message from uh, an evangelist, Bobby Connor. And in this message, he told the following story. And I'm going to read it. He said, I was in New Zealand for a conference with a couple of thousand leaders. As I walked into the conference hall, a very young girl about five years of age, came up to me and said in her sweet childlike voice, I can preach. Tried to humour her, I knelt down and patted her on the head and said, oh sweetie, that's so wonderful that you can preach, almost kind of in a joking tone. However, I was stunned because she came back to me in a very firm and confident tone. No, I can preach, she said. She said, it was such boldness that I was almost knocked down. So I said to her, okay, what is your message? She looked me straight in the eye and said, my message is pray, listen, obey. I said to her, okay, you're preaching tonight. That night, the place was packed with church leaders from around the nation. I'd been speaking for about 15 minutes when I looked out on the crowd of people and I saw the little girl sitting with her folks. I stopped speaking and said to her, Honey, do you still want to preach? She said, Yes. Coming forwards, I picked her up and holding her in my arms high on the platform so that all in the conference hall could see her, I placed the mic before her lips and she said in a strong voice, my message is pray, listen and obey. When she said this, hundreds of people were knocked out of their seats by the power of the Holy Spirit and they were weeping and seeking the Lord. And he said, this is the message that God is saying to the church today. So it was a message from God. A power, just three words. But it was from God through this little girl. Most unexpected, all credit to that uh, to the speaker who recognised that and let her do it. And, and God just fell on the place. God can use anyone. And just a bit more. I want to say about the second part of this, which does relate a little bit to what um, John was saying, how we respond to criticism. Because let's remember, with this powerful, doing miracles, amazing, uh, the Apostle Paul, all the churches he started and everything, he was only human. And actually, when I thought about this, having that said about him it was unimpressive must have hurt no one likes to be criticized or rejected no one likes to have their integrity challenged or be been misunderstood i doubt that there's not one of us who hasn't faced criticism as a church leader for umpteen years uh, i certainly have at uh, one point or another but if i'm honest and if you're honest We will not just have been on the receiving end of criticism, but we will ourselves have criticized other people too. Ecclesiastes 7 says, Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourselves have cursed others. And it's true. And I have been critical, and I've said things in a critical way. Now, there's such a thing as constructive criticism, absolutely really important. If we're to grow in any area of our lives, uh, and uh, in Christian discipleship too, we need to hear the comments from other people when it's offered helpfully and in love and with the intention of helping us be built up rather than um, destroyed. And we would do well to receive that graciously because some critics are actually right, uh, even if it wasn't said in the right way. But here we're talking about those who criticize in an unhelpful manner and not for the purpose of building up but bringing down. And I would say, and I recognize myself at different times in, in these, frequent criticizers are often frustrated people, people who... Maybe aren't fulfilled in their own calling. Maybe insecure people, bringing others down. Maybe we can recognize this ourselves. Bringing others down makes us feel a little bit better. Jealous people, people who are are criticizing from a sense of rivalry. Perfectionists, those who are very critical of themselves and everyone else around them, or... Rebellious people, people who are always critical critical of authority anyway. And criticism can be very damaging. It can pull us down, it can make us discouraged, it can distract us from what God would have us do. And how do we respond when we're criticised? Do we go off in a huff saying, well, I'm not going to do this anymore then, and, and nobody likes me, and I... I. No... Again, we have to listen. To, it's important to listen to what's being said, but also it's important that you, we don't let critics steal our joy in the Lord. It, it's really important to listen to God and be secure in His love and what He's called us to do. Paul's critics were undermining his credentials, trying to weaken his influence. But, and this is the last bit, good on Paul. He didn't let that criticism or that opposition put him off even though it was painful he was human it was painful because he knew that God he knew what God had called him to he was secure in the father's love we're very thankful that he didn't go off in a huff and say well I'm not doing this anymore no he carried on he ran the race he was secure in who he was in Christ. And he had a message that to share that no one, no opponent, whoever they were, was going to put him off. His heart relationship with, with his father was strong. He found the strength to carry on. And that is what we, you and I, must do. However much we're opposed, however much we're rejected, and not necessarily... It could be just because we're Christians, and there will come more persecution and more rejection, and people will laugh at us, and and it can hurt, and we can think, oh, I'm not going to say anything, but God wants us to keep running the race, and maybe you're feeling weary this morning, maybe somebody's been having a go at you or mocking you for being a Christian. Let's wait on God, let's put our hope in him, let's recognise our security is in him and let's carry on running the race like Paul did, no matter what opposition, no matter what people said about him. Isaiah 40, 28-31, to and I close. Do you not know? Have you not heard? They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. We have the everlasting God, our Father God, if we know him this morning, and if anyone's here who doesn't know him, has never put his trust, uh, they've never put their, their trust in, in Jesus and what he he did on the cross for us. Well, today is a day of salvation and you can get right with God. You can know that security. And your Father God will give you strength. If you stumble, he'll pick us up. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And to God be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we have... In Scripture, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that people opposed Paul and called him unimpressive. They weren't impressed with who he was and what he had to say and how he said it, more more to the point. And Lord, there will be those of us here who people who will have been mocked. And we thank you for your word. And we thank you for Paul. We thank you that whoever opposed him, it was okay. He, he, even if he was hurt, he carried on. And he fulfilled the calling that you had put on his life. And we are grateful that he did. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to stand and sing from that very verse of, from Isaiah.
0: Strength
1: will rise as we wait upon the Lord We will wait upon the Lord We will wait upon
3: us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen.